<clears throat> Movie, The Golden Calf, created by Nancy Goldruff, a former kindergarten teacher in 1989, bought by the Complex Corporation in 1991, broadcast nationally as the movie Funtime Hour. Since its inception, has spawned two theatrical films, 16 records, eight primetime specials, and a library of price-to-own video cassettes. Not to mention bi-coastal theme parks, dubbed Movie World. Did, uh, did I miss anything, or? You forgot Movie Magazine. Damn it. Dude, we just went to the Kevin Smith Movies Pop-Up in Austin, Texas. Movies is here in Austin. It is. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it, it was, was a great. blast. It was a great vibe. I felt like, well, we're back in Austin circa 19, late 90s. <laughs> it's like you really walked into that view universe, mm-hmm. as he calls it. But it was good. We got The first, the first uh, universe. Right? Yeah. He definitely was the first one that created, like, before the MCU, there was the Viewisk universe. Yeah. But it was just a great job. I mean, he was right there with AOL just, like, discovering what the internet really was. Yeah. And finding his audience, yeah. right? Yeah. We got, we got the swag, right? Yep. We got tons of swag. Yeah. Got the koozie. You want to dig into the food? Dude, I'm starving. Yeah, let's dig into the Boom. food. Yeah. That's looking good. Let's dig in, man. What did you get? So I got the Hater Taters. Right? Hater Tots? Hater Tots. That was it. Hater Taters. <laughs> Itter tots, and then I got the 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 cow tipper. All right, I did not get uh, the different. You had the chicken sandwich, right? I got the, I got the cock smoker the chicken cock sandwich. Smoker, right? So it was. And I got was, the the onion rings to rule them all. Oh yes, wondering, you know, because did they just walk up and give you the onion rings? Right, they just walk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all I do. Yeah. Oh wait, I got hater tots. Oh, you got the hater tots too. Mm-hmm. What a great idea. So do you remember um, when the first time you saw Clerks? Oh, yeah, because I was totally blown away. Someone recommended it, and I didn't really know what to expect. Uh-huh. Basically, a generation will be decided by, like, its film and its music. Right. And I didn't really know what the 90s was. And I feel like early 90s was the pivot to get away from what the 80s was. But 90s was, you know, Tarantino... Robert Rodriguez and Kevin Smith for me. No, Kevin Smith was there. He was like at the at the forefront of that independent film movement of the nineties. He was. I think I think movies took a Tots. took a turn into um, just more of an independent, edgier, more violent, hyper vulgar feel. I guess you could say more more realistic, more like realistic, a little more, yeah. definitely more grounded. Like a movie about people who just work at a convenience store. I remember hearing that gimmick and I was like, "That's a good idea." Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I remember seeing. I was in college at the time and seeing the posters for Clark at the student student union. And I was like, oh, this looks cool. And I started looking it up. We missed it at the student union, but we found it on VHS eventually. And that was just one of those tapes you just had that you always oh, put on. Oh, yeah. How because, that is a VHS movie if, I've, if there Yeah, because was there was one. this thing. Like, I think him and like Quentin Tarantino and like, maybe a couple others, they had this thing where you would just listen to the dialogue. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you would kind of just have it in the background and listen to what they would say. And- oh, yeah. And it was so fast. And in this documentary I was watching, too, with Joey Lauren Adams, she was just talking about how he was a master of dialogue where it's just like a lot of the actors would like try to figure out like where to pause and like just – but you had to like – she's like, no – to like as an actor, you had to basically had to fire this off like a machine gun, like rapid fire to get the proper cadence that he was trying to accomplish because yeah. like – again – 
It was unheard of to have such like wordy dialogue for these actors, but yeah. like Tarantino and he did that too, mm-hmm. and it just worked. Like yeah. if you got it and you were just trying to figure out what he was going to accomplish, yeah, like you went with it. I, I just saw you just took a bite of the burger. Oh, have I you not been yet? No, I'm, I'm like halfway through. I'm just gonna. I'm going in. This right is now. an excellent smoked yeah. cock, cock thing. <laughs> mm. Mm. How's the cow tipper? It is, man. Oh man, I feel the mooing. That's good. <laughs> I feel that mooing. I remember after Clerks. I remember, uh, you know, still internet was young. I remember seeing the ads for Mallrats, and I didn't know anything about this movie coming out. It's, it wasn't like now where you know, you know, months and years in advance that a movie is being made and that's coming out soon. It was just like all of a sudden I saw these ads for Mallrats. I was like, this looks funny. And then it was like Jay and Silent Bob, and I was like, oh, it's those dudes from Clerks. Right. In in color, yeah, in color. Now in color, and that was almost the hook of the movie. Right to see them in color now, right? right? Well, just to see Jane, Silent Bob, you know, because I feel like they were the breakout characters of the first movie. Oh, absolutely. And now they get a whole other movie. They did, and it's just like, and now he now he's working with a budget, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, and look in the beginning, you know, no, right? He'll admit it. It's just like, cons- technically, that movie bombed for its time, but. As time goes on, people are appreciating it more. No, they love it. They just put out like an Arrow Blu-ray of it that is awesome. Yeah. So that was the first time. Maybe it was a version of the the sophomore slump or whatever. It's just like, but he got that was you know '90s when Sharon Darty, you know, the bad girl of Hollywood. He got her in there, right? And yeah. that was supposed to be the draw mm-hmm. of getting her in there. And we had the young Ben Affleck. Yeah. He got Ben Affleck before everybody was just like, dude, this guy used to be, uh, you know, needs to be a leading man. Yeah. I mean, and he, um, Ben Affleck rocked 90s clothes, I tell you that much. Oh, yeah, he did. Like, he just, he looked awesome on him. Yeah, he basically, I did not know this. Like, he can take credit for the rise of Ben Affleck before he knows it because. He put him over. He did put him over big, yeah. right? To the point where we would not have Goodwill Hunting. They would not have an Oscar if it wasn't for Kevin Smith. Yeah. Right, and I did not know that. Um, so yeah, he put—he was basically the one who put over Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. I, yeah, I didn't know that. It was just basically like, dude, he's like you're a good-looking dude. You're a tall. You, you know, it's just like you have some chops. Like, why aren't you not a leading man? And mm-hmm. they didn't really want. I don't even think they wanted Ben Affleck for Mallrats. I feel like they were trying to book somebody else, right? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. And Kevin Smith like went to bat for him, so. And look, it's just like, I feel like Kevin Smith is, I mean, uh, Ben Affleck has always been loyal to Kevin Smith because of that. Even though I watched this documentary, he's like, he feel he felt bad that he didn't thank him in, uh, you know, in his Oscar speech. But, you know, he's always went back, just like he's never went like, no, that's not where I got my start, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, even though he's, you know, he even said it's like, I, you know, I played a very similar character in Dazed and Confused. But Dazed and Confused, you know. People think of Matthew McConaughey more than they think of Ben Affleck. Absolutely. But now that, you know, you think of Ben Affleck Mm -hmm. and, you know, in that coming from that viewist universe, right? Mm -hmm. But he did hit that sophomore slump for, you know, whatever people weren't ready or just like it wasn't as edgy as like uh, Clerks was because Clerks. Clerks stands up. Clerks definitely, definitely has that feeling very similar to Pulp Fiction of the same movie of that period where... If you happen to be scrolling through and it and it's on, it's a very hard movie to turn off. Yeah. You're usually going to finish it. Yeah. And there was this thing around that time where, like, if I said to you, oh, it's a movie about people that work in a convenience store and it's in black and white. 
it's like that's that pitch was like common in the nineties. I, I mean, I think he was one of the originators of that, but it just would stick out to you and say, "Oh, I want to see that." Right? Exactly. Yeah. Or like people would have said, "I can make a movie on a credit card." Yeah. If it wasn't for him, right? So whatever, Mallrats didn't do too good, and I think the comeback was Chasing Amy, right? Even though it was on way less of a budget, it was the it was a critical darling. Like it, it was over with the fans, and even though it got less of a budget. Less of a theater, really, you know, way less theaters that aired it. Mm-hmm. But people loved it. And I loved it, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I thought it was great. And he brought, you know, that was another one where he had a fight to get Ben Affleck in in the main role, which is crazy. Yeah, when yeah. you he think would, of that, it's just like, no, I, I kind of wrote this for <clears throat> thinking of. Was uh, this pre, this was still pre Good Will Hunting? Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Or, or it was right around. Yeah, because it was because I think it was, you know, in Dogma is when they won their award. Mm-hmm. I believe so, but yeah, it's hard to believe that you would have to fight because you know Joey Lauren Adams and and Ben Affleck are just like they were both in Mallrats, and he just kind of like he's very loyal to his his universe of characters. Yeah, and they and maybe it's just because there's like you know you as a director might be able to appreciate this. It's just like maybe there's a shorthand that makes it easier. Just like it, it uh, there it's very advantageous to have. These you know performers that kind of understand your shorthand. Well, I think what it's what it is is a matter of trust, right? Yeah. If the actor trusts the director, they will do things that they're not sure about, right? You know, and if the director trusts the actor, he'll allow them to just act and not try to overdirect. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's just totally, give them the freedom. That totally makes sense because you know, listeners just like they said, Chris Rock and Dogma was the first time that they were kind of. Seeing Kevin Smith allow, you know, some improv Mm -hmm. where everybody else was kind of trained like, oh, that's cool, but do it the way I did it because he had that vision in his head. Right. But, you know, for Chasing Amy, it's just like even though he had still had that little bit of that clerk's flair in there, Mm -hmm. it was still a little bit more serious. It was it was a love story. And if you think about it, it was very. Ahead of its time, as yeah. far as like the LGBTQ, yeah, you know, community is just yeah. like he was, he was the forefront of that. Yeah, and again, it's a premise that you pitch to someone, and they're like, "Oh, I think I'd like to see that." Yeah, that sounds interesting. And you know how it's just like I think a movie is over. He basically created something that could go in the dictionary with finger cuffs. Mm-hmm. It's like that. It's just like I didn't know what <laughs> finger cuffs was. Until Chasing Amy, and now if you ever say finger cuffs, maybe it's an urban dictionary, mm-hmm. but it came from the mind of Kevin Smith. Yeah. And that's when you know you've gotten over. But he had Jason Lee in it. He had his regular characters, but I thought it was a great film. Mm-hmm. You know, just really good. And then... What came after that? Dogma? Dogma was after yeah. that. And that was his most controversial yeah. controversial film, right? Yeah, I like that clip like, where he's out there protesting with the people protesting. Yeah, he's protesting with Have the protesters, right? Yeah, I did see yeah. that. But I remember seeing that in the theaters. And, like, he grew up Catholic, right? He grew up in Jersey, grew up Catholic. And he's he was very confused by it because when you go see the film... It's not anti-Catholic. It's really not. No. It might be anti-dogma. Yeah. Just like he might call out some of the BS that's part of the worship, but it wasn't anti-God no, by he any just, stretch of the imagination. He just uses a lot of uh, biblical terminology, history, whatever, um, really accurately, but then he, he, he parodies it almost, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, 
Buddy Jesus was fantastic. But it's just Jesus. like basically, it's just like now, right? The whole world runs on marketing. But back then, it's like we need among, you know, Catholicism. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's like we need to make it more exciting. And then ironically, that was only like three years ago when SNL kind of had this figure a way of just like Catholicism trying to catch up. So they had a kind of commercial that like girl girls gone wild, but the religious <laughs> version of just like, we got shots and we have, it's just like, but that was like, I mean, that was 2019. Yeah. But he was doing this, you know, early 2000, late nineties. Yeah. It was just like putting a spin on that, but I didn't think it was any anti Now, granted, it was just like, if you listen to George Carlin, you know, what he got in there, he's like any, you know, it's, it's the job of the artists and the comedians to like, cross that line and drag people across that line and not in a disparaging way, but more in a, in a controversial way that's going to get people to start thinking about what you're accepting as your truth. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, George Carlin is just like, if you look at him, listen to him now, he's almost like any kind of like hardcore scientist. Like I'd like to see George Carlin sit down with Machayo Kaku and talk <laughs> about like the, you know, or Neil, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson mm-hmm. and just talk about, uh, you know, the universe, because I think his early comedy could stand up to that. Yeah. But so to have him in there as, you know, that religious figure that, that's trying to basically rethink religion, it was good. But I remember seeing it in theater. I remember seeing the, you know, some picketers there, and it actually made the film seem more exciting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't know. Do you remember seeing Did you go see it in the theaters? I saw it in the theaters. I don't remember seeing picketers anywhere like in where I was, but I did remember my grandparents got a letter about it. <laughs> I, there was a thing, because the, the, I don't know if this was everywhere, but at least uh, in, her, in their area, the ch- uh, churches would send out letters about movies that people shouldn't watch. Oh, to not watch? To not watch because they were sacrilegious. I remember getting one about Terminator 2. <laughs> she got one back in the day that we that we shouldn't watch it because of time travel and whatnot. But yeah, no, that's not the Judgment Day that we're preparing for. <laughs> yeah, different, you know, that's exactly what it was because of Judgment Day because they call it Judgment Day. Wow. Um, I can't remember. I don't know if Dogma did well at the box office or not. It did. It actually it did, and it ended up that that anti campaign was a little bit pro campaign, yeah, well, and it did really well because. You know, Clerk obviously was super successful, made like 25K and then, you know, obviously made a ton on that budget. And then uh, Mallrats didn't make as much, but then Chasing Amy did well, too, because it was on a very limited budget, limited release, and it made money. And I believe Dogma did make money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know how much it made, but I know that it's hard to find to watch anywhere. And that, that DVD is like 60 bucks on eBay. Yeah, I don't know why. It's just like, I don't know if it's a rights thing. Or... I think it has something to do with rights because those were like Miramax movies. And when all that Harvey Weinstein stuff happened, it kind of, lots of uh, rights got screwed up. Because there was no streaming back then. So those rights were like not in place. I'm not like a, a, an expert on it, but I've heard how it works a little bit. Um, somewhere in there was the Clerks cartoon. I don't know what where it came in. Yeah, I don't Clark. remember where it landed, honestly, in that thing. But like you were telling me, you rewatched it and it's holding up. It's, it's getting better. Awesome. It is really good. I, I I think it was way ahead of its time. It's got a lot of the things that uh, sitcoms that came after that and cartoons like Family Guy, Thirty Rock, uh, that that type of humor. He was doing it first, and like I told you, he did he he did that thing that shows started doing later, where the episode of the show was we're doing this movie, <laughs> you know, like. Community did face off or whatever they did. This we're doing this movie as the episode, and he has uh, an episode in because there's only six, I think. Yeah, where, there wasn't where, a lot where they do they do the movie, and 
one story, they're doing the last Starfighter, and then they're doing Temple of Doom. Oh, right. <laughs> Crisscrossed. I mean, it's 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 definitely worth checking out. Uh, uh, Alec Baldwin is the heel. Really? Yeah. He got Alec Baldwin? They got Alec Baldwin. I don't like. I remember watching it. You know, like maybe the pilot, yeah, or something. But no, again, maybe maybe my brain wasn't ready for it yet either. Because I remember watching it and like it, but I don't remember like when it went away and why it went away. It just—I I don't remember exactly either. I mean, in, in retrospect, what I hear is like ABC just didn't dig it, so they just kind of dumped it. You know, whatever, just to uh, you know meet their contractual obligations. And then um, it's just like it, it went away. And and it, but it would have been fine if it was today, right? Because it would have been on Adult Swim, yeah, and people would have appreciated it. Yeah, um, definitely check it out if you if I, I recommend revisiting that one. Hmm. Jay and Silent Bob, I heard him compare it to them of the R two D two and C three PO of the Viewers universe. Yeah, where they're in each story. Yeah, but the next movie in his uh, after Dogma was Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. They right. pretty much brought him forward, right? And. Uh, I thought it was interesting that he said that the reason he made Jay and Silent Bob was he was going to close the book on the Viewisk universe. Yeah. And he was going to break away from that. Mm -hmm. And this basically, that's why he brought Jay and Silent Bob to the forefront. And this brought all the characters from all the movies or the actors, characters, or versions of them to kind of like that love letter to close it on the... Jersey, what would be the five films? Like, not a trilogy, not a quantology. Uh, quintet. Quintet, right? That <laughs> yeah. was going to be it. The yeah. five films of that Jersey quintet, and that's it. I think, yeah. You know what? I just realized something. Like, when you said he closed the book, I realized that he cl- that at the end of the film, and last more set, literally closes the book on VSU, yeah. right? God, right. But that's after the credits. So I wonder... Did Kevin Smith create the post-credit sequence as well? I think he did. You're right. I oh didn't my God. realize that. I need to, we need to uh, tag him in this or whatever because I'm pretty sure that Kevin Smith, now as I think about it, might have created the post-credit sequence wow. in a shared universe. Oh my God! I think you're right. Again, that same documentary I was watching, and it was just by he's like, well, technically, you know, I had her close the book, but there was a bookmark, and if you look at it, there was like 50 pages <laughs> after that. So even though she closed the book, there's a lot more to say. Right, there's always like an epilogue. Yeah. And then like the, the footnotes. Yeah, exactly. And he and he basically said Dogma had so much controversy that he went he leaned in the other direction and made this very slapsticky, like very like absurdist comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think it kind of showed that it was just like look, because I, I mean even Mall Rats to a sense, but for sure hundred percent clerk chasing Mary Amy and Dogma. I mean, I love those films. They were rooted in very deep thoughts. These weren't very frothy, light thoughts. He was getting deep mm-hmm. in all of these films. So, like, that was the only one that he just kind of like, we're just going to tip the hat, and it and it felt very, it felt very frothy. Yeah. So, but it was still it was still good. But he was basically trying to put that behind him. Yeah. You know, and I think it did okay, like box office wise, because I think at this point. You know, for my audience, we don't need a whole ton of money yeah. to, to make these films. Make right? them, make them on a smaller yeah. budget. But I mean, it. again, he still got like Chris Rock yeah. and you know, and George Carlin. Yeah, I mean, those that's like for especially for that time, those were big name actors, yeah. right? Yeah, definitely, definitely, killer cast in that. And then I guess that last kind bite, of, last bite. R- I mean, I didn't R- even R- acknowledge. R- I, I I 
finished my cock smoker. It's excellent. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Movies man. comes to your town. Go and get the cock smoker. Yeah, it was good. Tell your parents. Go get your cock smoke. Tell your parents you want a cock smoker. <laughs>